This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. I have a question to ask you because we're in a brand new series called DNA, and I'll explain that if you're new with us today and you're new online. And traditions, welcome. Let's give them a hand again. I know we already did that one time, but thank you so much for joining us. Listen, there is so much wisdom sitting over there in the chapel. There really is. And do you know, by the way, we'll get started here in a second, that I read um, that your most productive years are, guess where? 70 to 80. I'm telling you, yay. My wife is clapping, so thank you, honey. Um, um, and your second most productive, guess what? Is like 80 and up. I'm just telling you what I'm reading. That's all right there. So, and then, you know, different categories like that. So lots of wisdom over there. Thanks for joining us. Okay, we're in a series called, called DNA, but I want, I want to ask you a question, and here it is coming up on the screen right now. Just think about it. Have you ever looked at someone and wondered what happened? No, okay, now, you automatically go to there, don't you, right? I'm not talking about in a bad way, like, oh, dear Lord, what happened to you? You know, what'd you, what'd you get into? You know, it's like your dog coming in after rolling in a mud puddle. What, what happened? No, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about, have you ever looked at someone and go like, wow, you look different? And what you're saying is, there's a change in you. Something has happened, and, and I can tell the difference. Now, have you ever known someone like that? Yes? Has anyone ever said that to you? And something's happened. There's an evident uh, change in your life. There's something noticeable, and you don't even have to tell that person. It's like, I can tell. It's recognizable. This is what happened to a couple guys named Peter and John, and we read about in Acts chapter 4, verse number 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, see, something happened and perceived that they were uneducated, just common men. They were just like normal, regular people like, like you and me, but something was different. They were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Something had happened in their life that changed them. They were unschooled. They were uneducated. They're ordinary people just, just like us, but all of a sudden, they spoke with such courage. This Sanhedrin, or this, this, this court, realizing that Peter and John had, had been with Jesus, were absolutely silenced. There was a change that they could see. The apostles were experiencing what Christ had promised in Matthew. Maybe you've read it, um, Matthew chapter 10. When they deliver you over, or when they say, like, when you're standing in that place right there, don't worry, don't be anxious about how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it's not you who speak. And I love this part, and hang on to this. It's not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So it might be your words. You might be like verbally, you know, speaking, but it's not really going to be you. There's going to be something different in you. It's the Jesus that lives in you. And I was reading in my Bible reading, because I've started the, the Through the Bible year again, like many of you. And I thought, well, Moses, Moses was the same way. He said this, in fact, he says it this way, if, if your presence doesn't go with us, God, like if that's not evident, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not bring us up from here, for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct 
I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And Moses, I mean, here's Moses saying, like, if you don't go with us, if people don't see us, how will they know? And that's really what we're talking about in this series called DNA and living your Jesus DNA. Let's talk about DNA for just a second. I'm not an expert on it, but I looked it up. And many have done this ancestry thing, right? The DNA thing. I, you know, I never have. I was tempted to send my dog's DNA in, but didn't, didn't do that. But listen to Ancestry.com. Your, D, your DNA, your personal DNA, contains a record of your ancestors. I think we know that. The mix of DNA you inherit is unique to you. You receive 50% of your DNA from each of your parents who receive 50% of theirs from each of their parents. And then Jurassic Park, so movie people, right? Maybe you remember this quote. DNA acts as a blueprint or recipe for the living thing, right? So it's, it's who you are. It makes up who you are. Um, from Oxford, the fundamental and distinctive characteristics or qualities of someone or some things, your DNA. So I mentioned last week, you know, my hair turned white really, really early in life. I inherited that from my mother who turned white really, really earlier, earlier in life. So you and I look certain ways and we have certain traits that reveal who we are. Many times um, a, a word spoken is not needed because you, you can be viewed by the characteristics that you exhibit even without, without speaking. My, my wife in the past, and uh, actually she says this kind of often, uh, she says, you're just like your mother. Has, has anyone said something like that to you? You're just like your mom. You're just like your dad. You're just like, your, you know, you're just acting like your mother. And you know, th- th- actually she's right. Because I inherited a number of characteristics from my mother. One of them being, yesterday's too late. Tomorrow, or yesterday it should have been done. Tomorrow's too late. It needs to be done today. So that's, that's kind of how I roll. Like, let's do it now because there's no better time than right now. So that was my mother. And so I've kind of in, in, inherited that. So this whole series, by the way, it's not about your personal DNA here, um, traditions. It's not about your personal DNA, but about your Jesus DNA. So can you say it with me? It's, it's living your Jesus DNA. Can you say that? It's living your Jesus DNA, because that's what I want to talk about. What are the characteristics that we carry in life? What is it that people will see in your life and in my life? And say, like, something's different about them, Right? They're a Jesus freak, or however they say it. They're a Jesus follower, but something about the way that we carry ourselves, the way that we talk, reveals that we're a Jesus follower. Let me drill down just a little bit and say, say it this way. You show who you are by what you are. You show who you are by what you are. Every day as we live like Jesus, we show who we are by how we act and how we react just like your personal DNA and the common traits that you carry reveal who you are, your Jesus DNA reveals you as a follower of Jesus. Like, we do life differently. We are supposed to. Our, our, our values are different. We think different. We act different. We carry our life different. Instead of someone's going like, oh, you act just like your mother, what they should say, be saying about all of us is, oh, you, you just act like he. He does. Jesus. You just act like him. Like, you, 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 you act and react like this guy named Jesus. 
It's interesting, I was talking to someone yesterday and they were telling me a story of how, um, actually it was a really, really gracious thing that they had done. I mean, like, like honestly, they, um, they gifted someone this incredible, incredible gift. And it was quite, quite amazing, really. And, but they finished that little story by saying there, yeah, it was because one of your stupid sermons. <laughs> Which is, you know, that's a certain way to say it, right? Uh, yeah, one of your sermons, and then you followed it up the next week, and then Jesus began to speak to us, and so we really felt like we should be doing this gracious gift, and, and so we did. Well, what it was doing was letting Jesus live through there because here's our goal to allow the Spirit to do His work in each of our lives and to carry on His name, to bear the name of Jesus so that people see our Jesus DNA. So last week, if you were here, we talked about people of the Word, that we are committed to living the truth of the Bible because we're Jesus people. We're living the, Jesus, uh, the DNA, Jesus DNA, people of the word. Living your Jesus DNA will be revealed by your commitment to live the truth of the word. Not just talk about it, not just know about it, but by actually doing it. And so today, we're going to drill down a little bit further, and here's what I want to talk to you about today. People in the community. Living your Jesus DNA will be revealed by your commitment to community. Now, um, if you've been hanging around Gateway long, you know when I talk about community, faith community, I'm talking about church. That we are united through our faith. We're not, we're not united because all of us don't have the same color hair, so we're not the white, white hair group, right? All of us don't have a certain career. All of us don't dress the same. Or, you know, we, have, we, we come from different journeys. We come from different backgrounds and so on. But the one thing that unites us is our faith, our common faith. And so that's why I call it a faith community. So we gather as a community united by our faith. It's church. Living your Jesus DNA will be revealed by your commitment to the community, to this, to this fellowship here. And so I want to talk about three things that happen when you become a follower of Jesus. Are you ready? And, and uh, they're, they're, I think they're worthy to, to jot down, but number one, you become a new person. Number two, you get a new purpose, become proclaimers, we'll talk about that. And then finally, guess what? You have a brand new family. You're part of the body of Christ or lived out in this faith community or lived out in church. So let's talk about the new person for just a moment. When you receive Jesus, regardless of, of um, how old you are, I mean, I, I received Jesus really, really early in life at nine years old, um, and some of you later in life, and some of you, your path was different than mine, but when you became a brand new person, um, when you received Jesus, you became a brand, brand new person, you were not just the same person made better. Do you, does that make sense? You're a brand new person, not just someone that like we just, we put paint on the wall or paint on the barn, right? And now you look better. No, you became brand new. You are no longer the person you were before meeting Christ. This is important for us to understand as we, as we live this out. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And say it again with me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's no longer me. When you, 
When you received Jesus as your Savior, you became a brand new person. I've been crucified. It's no longer I, but Christ. It's no longer our own strength. It wasn't Paul's strength. It's not our strength that we are able to live this Christian life, but living Christ himself who took up his abode in Paul's heart and in your heart and in my heart. Christ lives in me. It's our Jesus DNA. So how do we live? By our own strength? No. We live by faith in the Son of God. And it's this faith that releases divine power. Everybody say divine power because that's important. Divine power. It's this faith that releases divine power to live a life honoring of Christ. One commentator said it this way, if he loved me enough to give himself for me, then he loves me enough to live out his life in me. That's your Jesus DNA. If he loved me enough that he gave his life for me, now he loves me enough then to live out his life in me and in me and through me. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what is he? A new creation. The old man, the old person has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And Paul then says in verse 18, the next verse, and how does this happen? All this is from God. It's not your doing. It's not my doing. It's not how good you are. It's not how good I am. All this is from God. We've been given a new nature, and this happens at the moment that we receive Christ or that we become a Christian. The old is gone. Um, let me say it this way, because what we're talking about, we receive a brand new Jesus DNA. But Paul says in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, we know that our self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. And verse 18 of Romans chapter 6, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves to righteousness. Now, some of us may be here, maybe over in traditions. I don't, I don't know. Some of us need a greater understanding, I think, maybe, of how it looks and, how, and what does this mean? Does it mean that when I became a Christian, I became a perfect person, never making a mistake? Raise your hand. No, that's, that's, not, what, that's not what that means at all. We're not talking about perfection. That is, I never make, make a mistake. Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 21, I've discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I mean, there's a struggle that's going on in, in our life. We're not perfect people. That is, we don't, we don't stop making mistakes when we receive Christ. But Paul, recognizing this struggle that goes on, knew the answer because in Romans 7, 25, he says this, thank God, because the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. The answer is his life living through us and the power that he gives you and me to live out this life. It's called sanctification or the process which God uses to develop our new nature and we grow to be more like him. So I've said it this way and um, maybe some of you remember, but I'm going I'm to share it with you again because I think it's what we need to be reminded. We are saved. So when you receive Christ, wherever it was, in your car, at an altar, in your home, like we are saved. You are a brand new person. We are saved. We have a brand new hope 
a brand new purpose. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But we are saved, but it's also true that we are being saved. That's the sanctification process, right? So God is developing us into the person that he desires us to be as we, as we, as we follow him in obedience. And then finally, we will be saved. Who's looking forward to that day? right? Like that's, that's when we go like, dear Jesus, come now, right? So I am saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. We will be with him at some time. So we have a new person with a brand new identity. So when you walk out of here today, you should walk out from here. You should walk out from traditions. You would walk out with a brand new realization or maybe just remembering again that you, that you have a brand new DNA. You're a Jesus freak. And so am I. All right. New, uh, new purpose. So new person, new person. Living your Jesus DNA is living in authentic community. That's what, we're new people. And because we're living in this new faith community, we're his, we have a brand new purpose. It is part of who we are. You, you can't be a follower of Jesus. You can't experience Jesus and the brand new life that he he gives, and not be concerned about others going to hell. We'll say it again. You, you can't be a follower of Jesus. You can't be living out this G, Jesus DNA if you're not concerned that there are people in the world today who are dying and going to hell. You can't. We have a brand new purpose in life. And we're to invite others or we're to be proclaimers of this gospel story, this gospel truth that Jesus has come into the world to save sinners of which we were, if you're a follower of Jesus, of which we were, that's why he came, to rescue people from an eternity without him or hell. So we invite people, we proclaim the truth of the gospel to those that he brings into our world. And they are everywhere. Where you do coffee, where you go to work, in your neighborhood, and, and, and so on. We invite others to experience community, faith community, because that's where they get connected to Jesus. That's where we point them to Jesus. We, we invite others into this gospel story. Your work is not your purpose. Now, you may be you may be the best plumber in the world, but that's not your purpose in life. You may be the best house builder or the best engineer or the best this or the best teacher, or the best, but that's not your purpose in life. That's your vocation. And there's a difference between vocation and occupation. So we have different vocations here, right? Like we do all kinds of different things, but you and I have one occupation. Do you know what that is? Matthew chapter 28, to make disciples, to be disciple makers, to share and proclaim the gospel story. That's the occupation that we are all in together. This is our brand new purpose when we become a follower of Jesus. This is our Jesus DNA. It's living out our occupation in whatever realm that he takes us into, whatever that might be. The question is, are, are, are we living it out? How are we doing? Um, the Babylonian bee, you know that, right? That great bastion of theological truth. 
well, they, uh, I just read this this morning. I thought, no, this is, this is pretty good. And, and kind of like, how, how are we living this out? This morning, unbeliever converted to Christianity after seeing Christians bicker with each other online. Anybody going to go, ouch? Yeah, unbeliever converted to Christianity after seeing Christians bicker with each other online. How's it working out for us? I mean, it's, listen, I'm asking myself first before I'm asking you. We're to live as proclaimers of the gospel truth following the example of Jesus. So we're new people with a new purpose, and guess what? Now we're into a brand new family. So welcome to the family. It's all we used to call each other right years ago. How many remember the brother-sister thing? Like brother so-and-so, brother Bob, brother Phil, brother, you know, sister so-and-so. Did you ever do that? You know, I mean, for someone coming in from the outside, that, that feels and sounded kind of weird, right? Like brother? Well, you know. It, but listen, it was just, all it was doing was affirming this brand new family that you and I are in. We're part of a new family, this faith community, this church. As we move closer to Jesus, we move closer to one another. We move from isolation into community, not the other way around. God calls us into community so that together we can grow and impact the outside community. So Bart was right when he was just saying that, hey, it's, it's within these groups that we grow. If we grow together here, I pray. We grow together in groups. We grow together in community so we can proclaim to the community out there who Jesus is. So if you go on our website, it says just four words, experience community, find hope. Experience community, find hope. I pray that's what Gateway is all about. So you can come in, you can experience a loving environment here where we say to everybody, come on in. But when you, when you come to know Jesus, then you're brought into a brand new community of believers, a faith community, community where you can find hope. And we're, we move closer to him, we move closer to one another, we grow together in large groups and in small groups. See, community, what we are here, is a primary context for mission. Our outward focus as believers, and God wants to use us. He wants to use our commu communities, large and, and small, messy and broken, to draw others into his story, to introduce them to Jesus and make disciples. He wants to use you and me. He wants to use us collectively. He wants to use us individually. That's living out the Jesus DNA. It's all about each one of us becoming like Jesus. It's about people who don't know Jesus coming to know him as their Savior and experiencing what a real community feels like. As a member of the body of Christ, we are part of a new community and a new family. Um, listen to Robert Thune and, and Will Walker. They wrote this, no matter how you're wired, introvert, some of us, extrovert, some of us, socially adept or socially awkward, something in your soul longs for meaningful relationships with other humans. We long to know others and be known by them. We treasure friendships that allow us to truly be ourselves Though some of us have never found this sort of community and though others have been deeply wounded by relationships, all of us still long for deep, authentic, real community. And it's this deep, authentic, real community that we're to live out as followers of Jesus. 
How does it look? That's the next question. Well, number one, we actively do life together. We come together like we are today. We come together in, in small groups. We actively do life together. We're involved in one another's lives. We're involved in, in the challenging times. We, we rejoice when they, others rejoice. We grieve when others grieve. We do life together. That's to be a part of our authentic community. So that when you come in, you sense that and you feel that we actively do life together. Number two, and I might, I might lose some people here, but I'm gonna say it anyway, we see community or church as necessary. Do you know that especially post-pandemic, the average Christian attends church once a month? Uh, now you're here, I'm, I, again, I'm speaking to you guys over there in traditions in here, and that's, that's not your routine, but the average Christ, Christian attends church once a month. I, I, could, I could go on, I could say it this way, the average follower of Jesus sees this community as optional or sometimes necessary and some, sometimes not. Someone smarter than me said this, when one generation views church as optional, the next generation will view it as unnecessary. Think about that for just a second, especially if you're a mom or dad or grandparent. And I'm thankful for our, our parents. I say this often. I, I mean, you, you all who are parenting and you bring your kids and what a privilege it is. You, you, you do something that a lot of us no longer have to do and that's like get the kids ready for church. That's a huge task. And I'm gonna be talking more about that in this series about what it looks like to be a church that, 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 that readily encourages and accepts kids and families in and as, as, as a as People who don't have kids at home anymore, we commit ourselves to our families and to our kids. We need community. We need to be together. We are to be community and we're to recognize the importance of what it looks like to be healthy. And so I, I say this very often, like we're, not, we're not looking for perfection, but we are looking for health. Healthy, not, not, not perfect. Listen to Thune and Walker again. Every one of us is a saint in isolation. And we feel pretty good about ourselves, don't we? It's in community that our real weaknesses, flaws, and sins are exposed. And I, I think that's sometimes why we might even push away. Like, if I get too close to you, like, Bob, we're in the same group in, in Thursday morning, right? I mean, we got a bunch of guys here. Like, if I get close, too close to you, you're going to see I'm not the same guy, maybe. I got some flaws, right? And you got flaws, and we got flaws, and, and when we get together for lunch, and we do this, and we do that, like, if I get too close to you, you might see my flaws, It's getting quiet. It's in community that our real weaknesses, flaws, and sins are exposed. It's in community where Jesus brings along someone else to help us grow together. And that's why community is essential, not optional for transformation. We can't become the people of God, the people God wants us to become outside of community. Like, that's just a way of saying like, we need each other and I need you and you need me and you need the people sitting around you. So we're talking about healthy, not perfect. If perfection is our, is our goal, like we might as well give up right now. 
So if you're new to Gateway and maybe you're online for the first time and you're looking like, I'm just looking for the, the perfect church, you got to keep on looking because like we're not, not it. Because we have flaws, right? But we're working it out and that's why we're here and that's why we come and that's discipleship and that's growing to be like him. Some months ago, I, I shared with you a, the gym example, right? Gyms are full now because it's January, right? And then they go back to normal somewhere around February, March, I guess. But anyway, like when you go to a gym or you go to a place to work, work out, what do you see? You see bodies of all shapes and people of, of all levels of fitness, right? They're there trying to work it out. And so when we come and we're part of a faith community like this, there are people at all levels, right? Some of us are trying to work it out and we need one another in order to do that. And some of us are struggling and some of us are challenged, but we need each other and Jesus brings us together in order to grow us. It's living the Jesus DNA. I used to be in band. And uh, so I wasn't um, first chair, which but I wasn't last chair either that I can rem- that I recall. And, and I, I played the tuba, and there were only three of us, so you couldn't slide down too far, you know. You could, worse you could be as third chair, right? So, um, and, and there was a lot of practice. Now I remember I, I was invited to be in the orchestra, and there was only one tuba. It was me. And I, I didn't quite know why the people were kind of chuckling and laughing a little bit as the orchestra played, but it was me. I, I wasn't hitting all the notes exactly right. I was, I was working it out <laughs> right in front of everybody. And my mother, who was sitting there, never said a word about it. But Leonard Sweet wrote this because he, he, he likens the church to this kind of a setting. He says, the church is best defined as a community of practice. A place where those who have been chosen to live the life of Christ can hit flats and sharps, miss entrances, go off beat, and even get completely lost for a while, yet still be a part of a church community's practice session that is Christ's church. Can I stop right there? Because the one thing that sometimes happens, and I'm thankful, and I've never seen it happen here. I honestly haven't. I'm so thankful. But sometimes what happens is, yeah, you can't be a part of us. Yeah, you just didn't, didn't f- f- do it right. You can't, you can't be a part of this, right? You're completely lost. No, this is about you and me going after people, inviting people in. It's about us who sometimes miss it, but we're committed to a church community that says, look, we can help. Because healthy means like you're going to stumble and I'm going to stumble, but there's going to be people who come around you to disciple you and to disciple me. We can still be part of the church's uh, church community's practice session, that is Christ Church. It's, it isn't growing a soul like learning any musical instrument, a lifelong project. Yes, it brings joy. Yes, it brings focus and direction. Yes, it brings a love of artistic perfection. But it does take continual, gradual, lifelong practice. How many have found that to be true? I have. I mean, there are times in my life when it feels like it's, it's one step forward and two steps back and three steps forward and two steps back. And that's our life. And Jesus continually works in us as we yield to him. Well, we got to wrap up. So, but quickly, what else does it look like? Number three, we identify with and celebrate this brand new community through baptism. I believe in water baptism. And I'm going to be putting up a, 
graphic here, and I'm going to encourage you, if, if you've never been baptized, to follow the Lord in baptism. We read this in Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Baptizing them or incorporating. Baptism means that we identify or we incorporate others into the body of Christ. At 1030, we're going to be celebrating baptisms today. It means I step forward and I identify with the body of Christ, you and me. And so I'd like to encourage you. We're going to be having, we're going to be talking about baptism a little bit more, but we have, we have a baptism date that we're going to be, that we're going to be setting. So um, if you would like to follow the Lord in water baptism, and again, just think about it. We're going to be talking more about it. You can text the word baptism to that song thing that, that uh, Bart just shared, right? I think there's a graphic coming up here, isn't there? Do we have a graphic for that somewhere up there? No, I thought we did. Well, you know what? Here's the deal. See, this is what I call perfection or imperfection, or like little stumbles, little miscues, right there. Oh, there it is right there. If you text more into that number right there, and then there's a baptism number, you just text that number back. We're going to be talking more about it in the days to come. But if you've never identified through baptism, I just want to encourage you, start thinking about now because you're going to hear more about it. I pray that we are a community here, traditions, you there, that comes together, celebrates Jesus, grows together, does life together, helps one another, um, not always perfect, but always healthy. We can be a healthy body. We can be a healthy community. You know what? People are attracted to health. So how's your Jesus DNA? How's your Jesus DNA? Think about it. What's he saying to you right now? Maybe, maybe it's a brand new commitment to community. Maybe this is your one time here this month. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't track people's attendance. And maybe it's going to be two times a month. Or maybe it's going, to, it's, it's going to be reaching out to your neighbor or to your community outside of here in a way that you've never done before. Maybe Jesus is going to speak to you about, I'm going to live through you in this way. And you know that person at your work? I brought him there. I brought her there for a reason. And so they would see me in you. And they would be attracted not to you, not, not to this church, but they'd be attracted to Jesus. It's not about growing gateway. I've said that many times. I keep saying it. It's not about putting more butts in the seat. That's not what it's about. And I, I pray, pray that if it, if it ever gets to be that, that we repent of that sin. I pray that it's always about Jesus. It's always about making disciples. And discipleship begins with coming to know the Savior. It's actually before that. I pray that's what drives us. I pray that we grow together. 
I pray, Father, that you would speak to each and every one of us. I pray, Father, that we would find ourselves passionately following you, allowing you to use each and every one of us individually and, and collectively. God, I pray that I would allow others to speak into my life. Pray that we would allow others to speak into our lives. And God, you would use us to speak into the life of others. Lord, we will grow together in large groups and in small groups as we live out this Jesus DNA in this community here called Gateway. God, I pray, I deeply pray this, that when people drive by here, people know that we're part of this faith community. Jesus, would you be glorified? Would you be lifted up? Would they say there's something different about those people? They're Jesus freak. They love Jesus. It's all they're passionate about. That's what I pray, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Our God is a consuming fire, burning holy flame. Glory and freedom. Our God is only righteous judge, ruling over us with kindness and wisdom. We will keep our eyes on you. We will keep our eyes.
sacred refuge is yours. 